Fear demons have taken control from Australia to the FSMB, and new studies by pro-vaxxers conclude natural immunity is stronger than the vaccine. That is next. Hey, welcome back to the Barry Ferris Show Culture Shift. Today, we glance at Australia's heavy hand and the U.S. state's medical licensing board's aggressive attempt to shut up all scientific dialogue that's not consensus-driven. Then, we will look at three recent scientific studies related to the efficacy of natural immunity by the Cleveland Clinic one in Israel, and more extensively by a pro-vax team of 34 experts. The conclusion that can be drawn from all three of these studies is clear. If you've had COVID and you've recovered, you have in you a powerful immunity. First, things are just out of control in Australia. I mean, there was a huge group of kids, not a huge group, there was a group of kids playing soccer. They looked up to find that they were being circled overhead by a blue and white helicopter, and the COVID police were on their loudspeaker yelling down at the kids to go home, quit playing soccer. So the video footage shows one of the Aussie kids looking up and yelling, what the not blank, but you get the idea. And the man in the helicopter was warning him that the local police would find him and issue him a fine if he didn't go home right now. Australia is enforcing one of the most severe lockdowns in the world and recently even called in the military to help enforce its zero COVID strategy. Under the government's policy, rule breakers caught ignoring the latest regulations are smacked with a $500 fine. So, What's your guess of the COVID deaths in Australia? I bet you think the death toll must be sky high. Well, actually, since the beginning, it's only a thousand. Still, the Australian government has ordered that borders remain shut until the percentage of the population to receive both jabs from the vaccine jump from their current 17% to 80%. Naturally, with a, a very low fatality rate, and still a very low amount of freedom, there were thousands of people protesting the government's latest lockdown. They were chanting freedom in the streets. So where were they supposed to be? Well, they're under lockdown orders. More than half the country's 25 million people are supposed to be confined to their homes. So the following week, there were 1,300 police that swarmed Sydney to set up roadblocks all over the place. This is a massive show of force to stop a repeat of the anti-lockdown protest. And Army personnel are going door-to-door -to, -door to ensure people who have tested positive are self-isolating, staying home. Meanwhile, hundreds of fines were issued as mask-wearing outdoors is mandatory. In fact, if you're not wearing a mask and you're outside, those fines are $500. There are calls for the fines to get even more serious. They want $11,000 fines for posting information on a follow-up rally. 
The state opposition wants tougher targeted public health orders to crack down on anti-lockdown rally organizers and viral social media influencers. And if you're the organizer of the rally, they want to fine you $20,000. What if you show up to the rally and you're not an organizer? Will unlawful attendees will face fines of $5,500 showing up to a protest, an, an assembly. Police have also been handed greater powers to just close down businesses, construction sites, and other premises not complying with health orders. That's what's going on today in Australia. It's kind of scary for freedom guys. Here's another frightening thing here in the good old USA. The Federation of State Medical Boards said you can lose your medical license if you have a view on vaccines that's different from the CDC and the U.S. medical bureaucracy. Yep, you heard that right. The statement issued July 29th, uh, 2021, by the guys who control licensing for physicians and healthcare professionals put out a gag order. They say that any disagreement on vaccines must be quashed. This is crazy. They're concerned that there's a growing list of very reputable physicians and healthcare physicians that are not towing the government's line. Any view that's not the CDC view is called vaccine misinformation and disinformation. So they want to shut honest and concerned medical professionals down. They don't want you saying anything if you're one of those medical professionals on your social media platforms unless it complies with the consensus. Peer review? No, no more. No way, according to the medical technocrats. You think I'm making this up, don't you? They couldn't be. Nope. Here's the first paragraph to the statement they just issued. Physicians who generate and spread COVID-19 vaccine misinformation or disinformation are risking disciplinary action by state medical boards, including the suspension or revocation of their medical license. Due to their specialized knowledge and training, licensed physicians possess a high degree of public trust and therefore have a powerful platform in society, whether they recognize it or not. They also have an ethical and professional responsibility to practice medicine in the best interest of their patients and must share information that is factual, scientifically grounded, and consensus-driven. Well, what if scientifically grounded isn't consensus-driven? Consensus-driven, I mean, almost every great invention was driven by going against the consensus. Even Apple, who is helping the FSMB enforce this crazy new controlling policy, owes its very own success to going against the consensus or the prevailing view. The earth is not flat, but that used to be the consensus. You remember Galileo? Uh, he lived from 1564 to 1642. You know, the father of modern science, the guy who figured out observational astronomy, the father of the scientific method, the father of modern physics. He did not believe in the prevailing view. He was in direct opposition to the consensus. The consensus was wrong. He helped change the world. Yet the consensus attacked him, accused him of absurdity and heresy. The authority at the time, I guess the equivalent of the FSMB, put him under house arrest. So are you really willing to risk all sense of credibility, FSMB? What about the Cleveland Clinic study? It's one of the most prestigious medical facilities in the world. So co-authored by five respected infectious diseases and quantitative health scientists, the methodology and the validation process they used satisfies really the highest standards of science. 
The purpose of their study was clear, to evaluate the necessity of COVID-19 vaccination in persons previously infected with it, and to encourage less fortunate countries to be given higher priority on the vaccine. These are pro-vax professionals. I mean, they believe that a strong case could be made for vaccinating previously infected persons if it can be shown that the previously infected persons who are vaccinated have a lower incidence of COVID-19 than previously infected persons who did not receive the vaccine. But that isn't what the actual data showed. They studied a group where they enjoy almost perfect data, their own Cleveland Clinic's 52,000 employees. They required regular testing, and of those employees, 2,579 of them were previously infected with COVID and recovered. Of that group, 1,359 remained unvaccinated. Not one of the 1,359 previously infected and unvaccinated subjects got COVID. Well, the same thing happened with those who were vaccinated. They didn't get COVID either. Using regression models, they were able to demonstrate that there was no benefit to the employees who got COVID to also get the vaccine. Their conclusion, and I just quote from their conclusion, individuals who have had SARS-CoV-2 infection are unlikely to benefit from COVID-19 vaccination, and vaccines can be safely prioritized to those who have not been infected before. So why would you threaten to revoke someone's license to practice medicine for publishing this June 5th, 2021 report from the prestigious Cleveland Clinic. You know, if my gracious and loving mom was alive, she would be saying, shame on you, Federation of State Medical Boards. What are you so afraid of? Could it be that the scientific method proves the consensus wrong? You know, we've long heard that the vaccine is safe and should be taken by everyone over 12. And in spite of pleas by a very large number of reputable physicians, vaccine experts, and immunology experts from around the world, that natural immunity should be excluded from the vaccine push. The case for everyone to get vaccinated is still the consensus. Natural immunity is what you have if you got COVID and recovered. It makes kind of intuitive sense that if your body was fighting in ways it was designed to fight against a virus, that God would be better at creating an immunity than the most innovative drug companies. I mean, I believe that, but that isn't the scientific method. The scientific method is when you make observations, research the topic, form a hypothesis, test the hypothesis with actual real-life experiments, analyze that data, and then report the conclusions. And that's what the Cell Reports Medicine Journal has just published on natural immunity. It's, it's an actual scientific study involving a statistically significant sample size from two different locations. And it concludes that natural immunity is even better than the vaccine and probably longer lasting. And that the next generation of the vaccine should learn from natural immunity. But before we get to that, and I'm going to take some time to investigate that and look into that report Please know this is not the only report pointing in this direction. There's a growing number from around the world, including one just published in Israel. Their findings are not from a huge sample size, granted, but the study does suggest that natural immunity could be as much as 39 times stronger against the variants of the virus than the vaccine. Now, even if you set aside the Israeli report, there's this other USA study that cannot be ignored. If you are intellectually curious and you're scientifically, scientifically honest, you've got to look at this. 
So I'm going to go into some detail here. So hang with me because some of us don't like all that detail, but it's, it's important to reflect for you enough of this study, enough of the content of it, that you can see that this is a legit study. I mean, altogether, we have 34 pro-vaccine infectious disease and vaccine experts, and they teamed up to perform this long-term study on the efficacy of natural immunity. And they just published the results in the Cell Reports Medicine Journal. The bottom line is really good news. This should be trumpeted from everywhere. If you got COVID, you don't really gain any benefit from the vaccine, and you very likely have a better immunity than the vaccine in your body right now. The motive of their research project was to understand how powerful natural immunity with COVID is scientifically. And if natural immunity could provide any tips for drug makers on how to improve the current vaccine. They aren't trying to prove that the vaccine's ineffective at all. They just want to know about natural immunity and whether there's any improvements, any upgrades. So to gain a more comprehensive analysis, the authors initiated two prospective COVID-19 patient cohorts, one in Seattle, the other one was in Atlanta. And this was way back during the first surge of the pandemic. And they were looking at investigating long-term immunity. So these patients, um, they were frequently sampled and very controlled. They set out to determine the binding and then neutralizing antibodies to COVID, which is SARS-CoV-2, as well as the antigen-specific B and T cells that were elicited early after that infection. So they argued that the only way to beat the pandemic is to truly understand what provides this long-lived immunity to COVID, which is the actual SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus that causes COVID. So in this analysis, they look in depth at the patients over this eight-month period. And at the end of the day, they find very strong and durable broad-based immunity. From them, and I quote, these data are most consistent with the generation of long-lived plasma cells and refute the current notion that these antibody responses to human coronaviruses are short-lived. They found that the plasma cells that do the heavy lifting of the fighting off the COVID live for a really long time. And very encouragingly, something we all should know about, getting COVID and recovering boosts antibody capability to fight off other severe acute respiratory syndrome coronaviruses. That's great news. They state that the way that the specific B cells persist after recovery bodes well for a rapid antibody response if you got exposed to COVID again. And the T cells that are specific to fighting the virus are versatile. They have multiple functions. They not only go after the SARS-CoV-2 proteins, but certain T cells also target the nucleoprotein. They say that's really cool. They believe this helps against variants. And the vaccine just goes after only the spike protein, which is good, but it doesn't also target that nucleoprotein. So as a result... These very pro-vaccine researchers are saying we should include targeting the nucleoprotein in the future vaccines just like the natural immunity does. So in conclusion, they say, taken together, these results suggest that broad and effective immunity may persist long-term in recovered COVID-19 patients. I mean, really, there's nothing more to say, but there is a little more detail on their study, and I'm going to give that to us just to show how comprehensive this report actually was. So in their report, we find figure one, and, and here you'll see measurements for antibody responses. These are plotted over days since uh, the symptom onset, and they define their specificities and quantify how well they can respond to other coronaviruses and further analyze the durability of these immune parameters. And then there's this figure two. 
And it shows that there was no significant decline in immunity across the board. That's really good news. It includes COVID, but also alpha coronaviruses and the beta coronaviruses. In other words, if you had COVID and recovered from it, you're likely to be able to fight off the COVID variants and some of the other common stuff. Figure three shows these neutralizing antibody responses to COVID has capability, even when it's diluted, to build immunity. Figure four, and again, if you're watching on the video, you can see all these. And if you're just listening on the podcast, you just kind of have to listen, but it's just a whole bunch of stuff on a, on a graph. Figure four shows analysis of the specific B cells that were gaining a memory. So how long is the memory that these B cells have to fight off the bad virus? Well, at least eight months and counting. The graph shows no sign of the B cells slowing down in their ability to fight off the virus. They quote, the durable antibody responses in the COVID-19 recovery period are further substantiated by the ongoing rise in both the spike and the RBD memory B cell responses. So that's figure four. Figure five shows analysis of one type of T cells building a memory or knowledge set on how to fight off the bad viruses. These spike and they decline slightly to a plateau, but the plateau is still above a level that's needed to remember how to fight against the recurrence of COVID. Figure six shows analysis of another type of T cells and how long their memory is to fight off the bad virus. Similar results here. The T cells were going bananas at the beginning to fight off COVID, and then they kind of level off to this uh, plateau, but the antibodies are still at a high level and able to fight against the recurrence of COVID. Figure seven shows the correlation between specific immune responses and independent variables, and the results are in. The most important B and T cell capability to fight off a COVID recurrence remained strong. People... <laughs> We have to be honest about immune memory. This study is an honest look at how natural immunity against COVID will last. These are pro-vax doctors with specialties in vaccines and infectious diseases. The question was straightforward. After you suffered through COVID and recovered, was it sufficient to prevent a new infection from the same disease and its variants? It, it was an in-depth analysis. It drew from a statistically large sample for this type of study. And the results are compelling. The patients built durable antibodies, B cells and T cells to fight off COVID. And, and, and here's one final figure for you from their study. It's, it's really a, a graphical abstract of the entire study in one figure. It shows strong response for both memory cells and antibodies. And, and the way the antibodies reacted to the virus so the speed at which it rose up to fight off and uh, it, it, the, the bad guys, and even after kind of chilling out to a plateau level, it just suggests that those who had COVID and recovered have long life plasma cells. In other words, durable antibody responses. The immune memory of B cells actually got stronger with time. And both types of T, cell, T cells had an immune memory that rose up during its powerful fight against COVID and then plateaued. But the memory was still strong enough to fight off COVID at eight months. The process they call kinetics shows that neutralizing antibodies are long-lasting. And here's another interesting finding of the study. There is a remarkably stable antibody response among the pre-pandemic and COVID-19 patients to the common human coronaviruses. What's this mean? Technically, in their words, the CD8 plus T cells exhibit a predominant effector memory, phenotype. That means 
observable characteristics. And they do that early. And that transitions to those effector memory cells re-expressing and maintaining antiviral functions that have been shown to provide protective immunity against other viral pathogens. Okay, that is sort of technical. And it's a, it really the, what they're saying is it just fights off common SARS. And maybe this will clear it up. Another quote from them, the immune response to natural infection is likely to provide some degree of protective immunity, even against SARS-CoV-2 variants because the CD4 positive and the CD8 positive T cell epitopes, that's the part that's capable of stimulating an immune response, will likely be conserved. In other words, those T cells protect you against other viruses, not just COVID-19, but also COVID-19 variants. I mean, that's really good news for the 35 million who have had COVID and recovered. So their recommendation is there may be a broader strategy for vaccines targeting multiple beta coronaviruses. In other words, what they learned by studying natural immunity is that it can help make the current vaccine better. Here's a bottom line quote from them. Our study demonstrates the considerable immune heterogeneity in the generation of potentially protective response against SARS-CoV-2. And by focusing on the dynamics and maintenance of B and T cell memory responses, we were able to identify features of these early cellular responses that can forecast the durability of a potentially effective antibody response. So the study concludes by pointing to the continued threat of the pandemic. They're concerned that COVID's variants will remain a global problem if the current vaccine doesn't capture rapid antigenic variation. Otherwise, the variants will continue. So as such, they're saying to their peers, let's learn from natural immunity. In their actual words, our findings show that most COVID-19 patients induce a wide-ranging immune defense against SARS-CoV-2 infection, encompassing antibodies and memory B cells, recognizing both the RBD and other regions of the spike, broadly specific and polyfunctional, in other words, more than one function, more than one capability, CD4 positive T cells and polyfunctional CD8 T cells. So what do these guys recommend? Instead of going after just the spike protein, they should also target the nucleoprotein the same way your natural immunity already does. Here's their quote. Thus, vaccine induction of CD8 positive T cells to more conserved antigens such as the nucleocapacid, which is the nucleoprotein, rather than just to SARS-CoV-2 spike antigens, where they just go after the spike protein, may add benefit to more rapid containment of infection as SARS-CoV-2 variants overtake the prevailing strains. So there you have it. That's their quote. The Provax professionals are encouraging their peers to enhance the next rendition of the vaccine to catch up with natural immunity, what natural immunity already does. And natural immunity is better than the current vaccine. You can read it for yourself or you can download the PowerPoint from our website. You know, I guess God really is smarter than all of us. It's time for health officials and the government and employers to grasp a little humility. I mean, just look at the scientific method on the topic. It proves that COVID virus builds a natural immunity that factors in more antibody protection and more specialized T-cell response than the vaccine. Health professionals should not be scolded 
for raising this important point to their patients. They should be free to advise their patients who have the natural immunity to be wise based on the scientific method. They should also be free to share that information broadly through their social media platforms. The world is not flat. The health professionals that make the case for natural immunity are not the enemy. They are the Galileos of our time. They're simply being honest about their observations. To your success, and trust me, that depends on your freedom. Hi, I'm David Farah. Thank you for listening to my dad's podcast, The Barry Farah Show, Culture Shift. Click subscribe now to be sure you don't miss an episode. Share this podcast with your friends on social media and give The Barry Farah Show your five-star rating. Check out today's show notes below this episode and at theberryferrisshow.com. This podcast is also available in video format at The Barry Ferris Show on YouTube. See you next time.